0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the onsen. Before we jump into today's topics and all that good stuff, uh, just wanted to do some quick announcements. For those of you watching us on YouTube who are seeing the video for the podcast, you will have noticed that we have a new video intro thanks to Janelle R. Narayan, a uh, stop motion 2D animator and assistant director based out of Portland, Oregon, who also happens to be a professional ninja. So shout out to Janelle for that awesome intro. And uh, just uh, for anyone also watching us on YouTube or listening on one of the platforms, we're available on more than just probably the one platform you listen to us on. Anything from iTunes to Google Podcasts to Spotify, we're out there. So go on ahead and listen to us on there. And without further ado, let's, uh, let's jump into the onsen. Yeah. This month, uh, since it is the start of a new year, we're looking forward and we're looking at the future of J-Rock and Visual K and what we think will be happening with it as we continue into the next couple years or even the foreseeable future. I mean, we all know we see all these different trends. I mean, not too long ago, all of a sudden out of nowhere, it was all about the kawaii metal with baby metal, lady baby, and all these other bands popping out of nowhere with this idle metal fusion. So, I mean, is that style gonna stay forever? Or is it gonna fade? Is it, is it just gonna be like one or two groups that keep it popular? Are we gonna get more of them? You know, just that kind of thing. So, uh, Sis, I gotta ask, uh, I mean, for either J-Rock or Visual K, cause you can argue that they're completely different. What do you, what are your what's your opinion on where everything's going?
1: I kind of feel like, everything that's already been formed already will stay. Like, I remember there was a a moment in time where everybody was utilising, like, dubstep beats into their into their rock music, and I think that that's kind of... That, I think that's kind of died down, but I feel like there's, there, there are also bands that kind of fo- focus on that idea a lot more than others. I think with the choir metal thing, you just need a lot of bands to, to form... In order for that scene to become massive, and it has, and um, I don't know what would come next after that. It's really a really difficult question. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. Um, but you, you made you made a really good point, and I didn't even think about it when I was thinking about this to begin with, which was how you mentioned. You know, for a while there were bands just heavily sampling dubstep, or even just you know doing their own stuff, not necessarily sampling. And I recall yeah. Gazette in particular. They really had a lot and they still continue and even in the past had a lot of, you know, electronic stuff in their music. Yeah. And it goes really well with it. And to that point, in the future, is it it's going to keep evolving, is is the best way to look at it. Is there are these trends in the mainstream of music that do find their way into these scenes in some form or another, be it big or small. I feel like
1: one trend that i feel like has kind of ascended i don't i don't think it's a trend but in visual k there wasn't what i could gather there wasn't a band like deluhi for example and i think deluhi was the start of something from what i could see and that led to like other bands now so we now have bands like jaluka we have like bands like um far east design which is here as well and they they've got like a degent vibe and um yeah we have Jaluca, we have devilloof we have dimlin we have Na- nazare we have all these bands that all these heavy bands that we didn't have before um I think I feel like the problem with is some of these new bands especially when they're heavy is that they get compared to like the likes of der and gray um which is fine mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. perfectly fine. But I feel like into this um, this culture of of thinking of the bigger bands and that the bigger bands are the best and that's it. Is there not going to be another band that takes over? You know, Duran yeah, Gray's kind of crown or whatnot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, that's that's something interesting too. So we have these big, super established bands, and we see you know Duran Gray, for example, going all the way back to '97. And obviously, someone like X Japan going back even further. I don't, I don't have the knowledge right here of how far back they go, but obviously much further back than '97. Gazette's been around since probably the late '90s as well, I believe. And those are those are the go-tos when you think the big yep. su- successful good bands. That's them. It's those three for sure. And there, you know, there's Lunacy and there's other ones as well. But for me and Many other people, I'm sure it's those ones come to mind just immediately. And yeah, I mean, you look at again the the trends that are being followed and set right now. It seems like we're entering this new era of just super heavy, just really interestingly enough, like grindcore influenced uh, J Rock and Visual K with the likes of Devil Loof. And at the same time, it's it's such a small niche, but it's growing. And the unfortunate part is that, yeah, they do get compared to, for example, De'Ron Gray, because they're one of the heavier of the, the big bands. And they have so much experience behind them, so many years of working together and really getting to know their craft. And these guys are just starting, and they're already getting compared to the best in the industry. And I can see why there's probably definitely a lot of pressure on these bands because of how they're being compared to other bands, and that's why they don't really stay around that long and... We don't see exponential growth in the industry the way we do in some others.
1: There is a high turnover of forming bands. And yeah, I feel like there are also bands that kind of rise to the challenge of um, being compared to like Darren Gray. So, for example, I guess I think Devil Live was um, released their music video, announced their appearance or whatnot. They were like, they're they're the brutalist Visual K band and um mm-hmm. i think that's that's you instantly think oh darren gray what that's dead actually the one of the brutalists of the time but i think it's mm-hmm. because when darren gray came there wasn't anything like it
0: mm-hmm. and now
1: we have all these bands that can do the same thing and um it's good that we have that
0: yeah that i mean that's, that, 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 that's kind of another thing too is that that whole idea of there are no more innovators there's the people who are at the top and everybody else who comes up comes from something that they've done. There's no innovation to be done. And it's not necessarily that there is no innovation to be done. It's just that people feel like it's all been done already. But then out of nowhere, you do get something innovative in you. And not, not to say that someone like Loof is something that's never been done before, but they were able to do it on a scale so far that I personally haven't seen done before. As much as I am into the heavier side of music, Devil Oof is able to incorporate the visuals of Visual K very, very well into their very heavy music and make it work. Nocturnal Bloodlust does it as well, but yeah. it doesn't jive with me the same way. There's something about that Devil Oof sound. And, of course, for other people, there's something about that Nocturnal Bloodlust sound. And those are the two I can jump to because they're so prominent in being just aggressively heavy and at the same time, aggressively visual. So right now that is one, I guess, step into the future of what it could be, which is just becoming increasingly aggressive with how you approach your music. And something I was thinking of was, you know, you look at how you have these big bands and Japanese music in particular, and how we have these trends and all these bands that cycle in and out. And I'm sure in the mainstream, you have exponentially more. But when I look at, for example, the Western mainstream, bands come and they stick around for a while and they fade out of popularity, but people still remember them in this way like they were something just amazingly great. Like you can look at all the bands in the U.S. in the 90s, it all sounded exactly the same, but everybody remembers like one or two songs behind that like never stopped playing on the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, and they look at them and they look at them like, oh, they were so great. You know, they had such so much talent. And you get the same thing now. It's a weird cycle of just who's big on the radio.
1: Going back to Nocturnal not Blood last for a minute. Mm. When I, I went to the live, um, I think 2014, and there's something there was something that I'd never seen before, and that was seeing um, people interested into VEK, into Visual K, into like heavy metal as well, and they were all in one place combining. And I thought that was like, one of the beautifulest um band could bring people together Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if it happens at other gigs now or whatnot but i feel like that was a really good way to just bring all fans from all over rather than one set one i guess one fan base or one set of fans
0: yeah i get i get what you're saying it's 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 this you know this current trend of these fusions of different elements into what we know as j-rock and visual k where it's able to attract not just you know the j-rock japan sorry japanese music purists but it's also able to attract lovers of music in general i mean in general i mean they say that uh music is a universal language and you see it you see it so true today with the wide-reaching audiences which is another thing that you know I guess it's my wish for the future of Japanese music is for it to be able to really spread with how easy it is to spread something on the internet now. It's it's insane. I, I mean, with the uh, small little live streams Deviloof has done so far, they haven't been massive with like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people from around the world, but it is still people from around the world. It's not just some friends that I know and then some of their friends. It's actually hmm. just people who have never met or talked to each other at all all convening into this one small live stream event on Facebook of all places.
1: Yeah, there there's um, something to say about the technology um, compared to back then when mm-hmm. I first got in okay. um Man, there were no, there were no official YouTube pages mm. where you could get um, <laughs> bands music videos. Yeah. So it was always dependent on who would upload it first and then, it would also next depend on how long it would be up for. So it might just get a strike and would <laughs> be gone forever. Um, and then more people would upload it. Now we have bands straight up, they cr- create a YouTube channel mm-hmm. and, um, <clears throat> yeah, create a YouTube channel and put all their music, sometimes they put their full music videos or they have a, a preview of it or whatnot. I think there is definitely something to say about how, is now compared to back then it's um it's really good i feel like it's the probably the best way that i don't know why it took them a, i think a while to figure out how to do that but i'm glad that now where they can advertise you know we have videos from bpr records now um sorry bp records who are making um like vlogs i guess for back members of um bands on their label um and that that started I think beginning of this year and that's really it's interesting to see um inside the the heads of or the minds behind behind the music and that they're having fun, you know? Hmm. Um and we wouldn't have that so many years ago. We would have to buy a DVD, either getting that information or whatnot. Um so yeah, I mean along with the the music um definitely the technology has helped
0: yeah i mean like not to mention like you said you'd have to get a dvd in the past i mean that would involve finding the dvd somehow uh if not through the internet then some random store that happened to import it from japan and it's just the odds of finding what you want to find are just so low
1: And it's like, also the the culture around it as well, you know. Um, and, just, and with Twitter, so basically, it's just a because because we've got social media, got YouTube, we've got all these different ways to communicate, um, and just, um, or give given more visibility to especially new bands. Um, and obviously we can follow older bands as well. Um, yeah, and that's a great thing.
0: Yeah, it, it, it definitely is, but there's 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 two things I kind of want to bring up here. One is, you know, I, I know on here especially I'm always like constantly trying to push for bands to do some type of live stream or something, and uh, like an example of something I was just talking about recently with a friend of mine who's by no means into anything I'm into when it comes to music, but... I brought it up because we were just talking about tech in general, is these 360 cameras that they have. So there's these cameras they have that record in 360 degrees. And right now they're really expensive, but with time, obviously, they're going to go way down in price. And with something like that and something simple like Google Cardboard, which is literally cardboard that you slot Mm -hmm. your phone into, and then a YouTube upload, you can give someone the experience of being at a show. I mean it it doesn't take much. There's there's definitely already uh with K-pop, they really adopted uh, a lot of this VR stuff as soon as it was coming out like Google cardboard. Like there's plenty of videos you can go and see that are filmed in 360. And there's one in particular I remember when I was first, you know, getting into VR and seeing what all the fuss was about is uh it's this group of girls just performing live on a stage and there's a 360 degree camera close to the front of the stage and it's it's kind of i believe it's hanging from the ceiling given the angle you're looking at if not it's on some kind of pillar to get stay out of everyone's way but you can look at any angle of the stage you want to look at you can even observe the other fans around you and it's really close to the experience of actually being at a show if you were like nine feet tall But it's really close to the actual experience and it doesn't take that much anymore and it's taking less and less to get there. So hopefully we can see that in the future. But at the same time, as these things become more accessible, we start getting more and more noise. It's not all the smaller bands. Yeah, they definitely deserve some attention, but now everyone can do it. And now it's, it's you're digging almost as hard if not harder than you used to have to to find something
1: yeah tech to so yeah, as time goes on tech gets cheaper and mm-hmm. um you have more ways of promoting or whatnot but i feel like i don't know if actual if bands visual k bands will jump on this they might think the way they're doing it is fine but um yeah i mean rock definitely you know i feel like um especially the most popular popular bands should um definitely um they'll they'll go all out because i i feel like compared to k-pop also k-pop know how to Mm -hmm. um utilize their technology and use it in a way and use it quickly like Mm -hmm. almost instantaneously i guess um but um and I'm just saying in general J Rock well prob- maybe I don't know if J pop as well but um they they have yet to kind of catch up with that. Um and it's 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 unfortunate but um what the thoughts of the high ups are, whatnot. Um what I will say is um Far East design when they first when they f- I guess a few months after they released their first music video, mm-hmm. they'd done the whole 360 degree, but for them, mm-hmm. yeah, for their music video. And I thought that was really, really cool. Um, I've never seen a visual K. That's the only visual K band I've ever seen at this current moment. Um, and they've done it for two of their music, two of their music videos. So I don't know if it's just, if it's either feasible, if it's popular, or maybe there there needs to be somebody who has the ideas who wants to go forth with it. I'm not too concerned about noise really. I think it depends on how how it's done really. I guess.
0: I mean, if, I if, guess, I guess on that um, point, not being worried about the noise though is the actual good stuff does find its way to the top. The people who do put in the time, eventually allow us to partake in the fruits of their labor. So eventually, even though everyone will have access to all of this technology, the ones that will ultimately rise to the top will be the ones that are the cream of the crop. I think looking at it now, it's kind of like a final point before we move on, is that I think we both agree that the scene isn't dying necessarily the scene does take on new niches from time to time. It will adapt to whatever's popular at the time, and those trends come and go. And then really moving forward, there's massive potential for growth, but what it's really going to take is the adoption of not necessarily just new technology, but new techniques of really Mm. getting yourself out there. But uh, on that one, so uh, we did uh, actually have some interesting uh, input from some of the readers on uh i think it was an interview we did on either early 2018 or late 2017 it was uh with uh seichi hoshiko uh, vk oyaji was the nickname he had he was a big part of the industry and uh looking at the comments on that interview there's a somebody said the visual scene these days is more repetitive and Uh, Hoshiko should know about that. Uh, It's hard to find good artists in this scene. I only find bands that only care for their image. This is uh, Emmanuel Medina Ruiz, which uh, has, I think, the album cover for Real as their (laughs) profile picture, which I get what they're saying here, where it seems like, yeah, we're getting a lot of cookie-cutter bands, but sometimes these cookie-cutter bands start out cookie-cutter just to get themselves heard. It's the same thing, like what you had mentioned earlier, where you partner with bands similar to you, to gain momentum, and then that's when you really put out who you really are.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like that he has a bit of a like a database going on in his head, and about mm-hmm. the the and that's how he judges the band and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I think it just goes back again to like the high turnover of um, forming and disbanding
0: so moving on to another reader we got a uh, stan owens who said visual k should be more about cuteness and beauty not dark and gruesome which i think is so funny because you know here this whole time you and i have been talking we're like nocturnal bloodlust and uh the devil loof and dear on Grant, it's like the darker the better aggressive you know but so maybe if it needs if it's trying to be super appealing but if you're trying to really target a certain audience, yeah, you might not grow as much as with a broad, cute audience, like an idol group or something. But I think Visual K needs to keep being unique in every way that it can be.
1: Light, lighter music is, is fine. Like, hmm um, And their, their music is hella light sometimes. Um yeah, even though they're not, like they're not around anymore, but um, yeah, I feel like there's a mixture. Bands of band visual K bands, especially, are very good at mixing genres. Helps, uh, I feel like a lot. po wise and um, just a uh, look wise as well. Like Chanty is one one of those bands where. I feel like they sound more like in indie indie rock. Hmm. And I've never ex- heard that sound before. Um, especially in visual K. Um, but yeah, I like bands can also achieve something, but I felt the, I feel that the, the core of it is sometimes heavier.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely a place for both. It's all, it's all about diversifying your audience and, Basically, the fan base of the scene in general. So, again, uh, closing thoughts one more time is that there's definitely a future. Uh, really depends on gap in that bridge. I think a lot of people have their own ideas of how this can be. So definitely, uh, we can continue this discussion down in the comments or wherever you guys want. You can always reach us on all sorts of different platforms. So, uh, going back to the readers though, let's talk about, uh, our poll from this month, which was, uh, what format do you prefer for music? It was digital, physical, or physical only if there's a bonus. So overwhelmingly, I'm not too surprised. It was physical, uh, at 61% with digital at 25% and physical only if there's a bonus at 14%. And there were some interesting comments on this. Uh, Some were saying, you know, physical because I feel that way I can support the band more, which unless you're pirating, digital supports them, too. (laughs) But uh, and then physical to encourage them uh, for their hard work and all that. So, I mean, people seem to feel that buying physical really shows your devotion to a band on a different level than just, you know, getting the link on iTunes or Google play or Amazon music or wherever the heck you happen to buy it
1: physical. I normally go physical if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I've got this idea where I'll do physical for the bands. I definitely, definitely know I like, and then I'll do digital for bands that I'm not too sure of on an album to album basis. Mm-hmm. They keep changing or whatnot, but I'll buy it and see, see if I like it or not. Um, and I was also digital for, like, um, bands that have different types. And so they mm. have different songs in each types. And I just want to get that song instead of get buying the whole single again. Because then you get the main track and the other track and whatnot. You don't you get things that you don't want. That's what I like about iTunes, really, because you can select. And it sounds bad because you want to also support the band to the fullest.
0: I have a small little collection going on, but I think a lot of it comes from my father who has, you know, like two walls full of just metal CDs from all over the world. But the bonuses also, if there's ever a bonus, is awesome. I mean, I got a signed Devil Oof poster for a CD Japan bonus, and it's like one of my most prized possessions. I framed it like a freaking loser. So, I mean, that's, that's something that... It's definitely a motivator for me to go physical all the time. You get you get an actual disc, you get a case, you get a booklet, you get the little OLB that goes around it. It's it's a whole experience. It's really nice. And again, I understand where people like uh, Rue and Dahlia here that commented on the Twitter post. I understand where they're coming from, where it really feels like you're supporting them because it's something physical. It's like going to a show and buying a shirt. It's something physical. It's this, I have this, I have a piece of your history. And I know there are people like NBT, take this with a grain of salt. It's just from passing conversations I've had with him, but it seems like he is almost entirely digital. He almost avoids physical because yeah. it takes up space.
1: The problem with that is, um, and I guess is actually in other industries is that there's no there's a sense of ownership when you buy a cd mm-hmm. that cd is yours and you've bought it with your you know you've bought it could have been really expensive or you know digital you don't have that but you have the portability with it, of it but also that download could go years time they could just decide if if a band has the problem with um the label or the label or vice versa
0: yeah and definitely i mean there's 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 reasons to pick one and there's reasons to pick another i mean if the argument is purely portability though i mean once you do get the physical you can easily rip it oh, wow. at whatever quality you want and then it is super portable but then at the end of the day you're still stuck with this stack of stuff and you have to find a place to put it so no fault for anyone who doesn't do physical and no fault for anyone who sticks to digital i mean different strokes for different folks (laughs) (laughs) but uh getting close to the end here uh just a little bit of a quick story to throw out there for everyone uh we got uh azusa Tarokoro. uh she has done the second ending theme little soldier for that time i got reincarnated as a slime so go check that out uh we'll have a link on the post for this one for that article so you can watch her video and listen to her phenomenal voice. Uh, I can't put into words how much I love Azusa Tadokoro. And uh, before I get emotional, I'm going to go on ahead and pass this one off to you, Sus.
1: Um Yeah, I just actually want to give um, this part to a band called Breaking Holiday. It's got the vocalists of um, Duluhi and bassist of Duluhi, uh, drummer of Rain and um, guitarist of one two zero one two i don't i can't i don't know how is it how people pronounce it now but um yeah they've got a single called um soretsu coming out it's quite far away but it's april 24th but um they're really good band um definitely check them out i just got their single their second single fantasia and it's just a jam so like definitely check them out i will i will post about them definitely so yeah
0: all right awesome so that's pretty much gonna wrap this one up uh anyone who tuned in thank you for listening uh just half staff here today but you know next time hopefully we'll be able to get everyone back together and uh we'll see you all next time i've been your host mazo with co-host Siz. yo yeah let's do it all right everyone have a good year bye take care there you go i love you mazo